Welcome to the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I'm your host, Marie Wold, health and fitness influencer, coach, and lifestyle entrepreneur committed to educating and empowering women to become their very best selves. Each week, my guests and I are proving that with hard work and the right mindset, absolutely anything is possible. We are here to bring you not just inspiration, but also actionable takeaways that you can use to create a life that you love right now. We're talking all things personal development, including health, fitness, confidence, relationships, and so much more. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hey, hey, Marie here. If you're anything like me, you care deeply about your health. You know that having a healthy, vibrant body allows you to fully live life and enjoy every single day. That's why I take my nutrition and supplementation super seriously. They both make such a difference in my energy, my mental clarity, digestion, immune function, and just overall quality of life. So of course I eat a super healthy diet with plenty of fruits and veggies and all of that good stuff, but I also make sure to invest in high quality supplements from PE Science. To give you an idea of what my regimen is like, I take their true multi multivitamin Symbiont GI and Omega-3 Plus capsules every single morning, plus True ZMA at night. And those are just the essentials, but there's truly something for everyone, no matter what your health or fitness goals are. Everything they make is backed by science, tested for purity, and proven effective, so you know that you're getting the absolute best for yourself. If you want to try out some of my favorite supplements, head to pescience.com and use code MARIE to save 15% on your entire order. Again, that's pescience.com and the discount code is MARIE. I promise that you will love these products. Now, without further ado, let's get to today's episode. Today's guest is one of my closest friends, Amanda Bucci, and she is a 24-year-old fitness influencer and competitor turned lifestyle entrepreneur whose mission is to ignite the fire in others to grow into their true selves. She motivates, educates, and inspires hundreds of thousands of people through her podcast, Bucci Radio, as well as her Instagram, YouTube, and other social media platforms. Amanda always strives to show up as her fully authentic, transparent, honest self. And I love so many things about her. But one thing that I just really, really love is that she's so passionate about helping others live their truth too. And she proves that there really is enough room for all of us at the top. Amanda is not just an incredibly amazing content creator, though. She is also a powerhouse CEO of the Fitness Online Coaching Academy and her Influencer Academy as well. Needless to say, I am so proud to call this girl one of my best friends, and I'm excited for you guys to get to know her. So, Amanda, I am so excited to have you on today's episode. Thank you so much for being here. Yay! No, I'm so excited to talk to you and everybody, and I'm so happy you finally started a podcast. I know all of your people are just pumped as much as I am, so this is going to be so fun. I know. So... If you didn't already know, Amanda and I are like super close friends. So we already know a ton about each other, of course, but lots of you probably don't know her. So Amanda, for the listeners who are meeting you for the first time, can you just give us an overview of your journey and what's made you the human that you are today? I know so much goes into that, but if you can somewhat summarize it. Yeah, no, I've, I've like, I've been working on consolidating it. So <laughs> I consider myself a influencer and a CEO. So 
I started off doing what I'm doing now on Instagram, just sharing my story about my fitness journey. And I did a couple of fitness competitions. That's how I met Marie. That's how we met like our little girl group that we have now just through being a YouTuber, an Instagram influencer, and just building up a platform, just simply sharing my experiences about fitness. And I did a lot of, you know, extreme fitness similar to Marie. So lots of dieting and cardio and but like it was kind of the lifestyle back then we had a lot of friends that were doing it and it was our first time experiencing it so it was really fun to be an authoritative figure where we got to teach other people what our experiences were like but also experience them for ourselves for the first time and then you know go through the journey of understanding that there's more to life than just macros and then I did a powerlifting meet and I've I've done a lot of like fitness experiencing on my own which has really built my following and just showing them through my whole entire journey. And then over the last year or so, I've pivoted a little bit to coaching people for building their own businesses and brands online. I specialize in authenticity, creating influence, creating a brand, and then creating a business obviously behind it. But like my true passion is lifestyle business. So businesses that are built around the lifestyle that you want to live, not necessarily just about the dollars or the money, but just creating an amazing lifestyle, helping people making an impact, fulfilling your mission, and just feeling really happy overall with what you're doing on a day to day basis. So I've been doing that over the last year. And I have a podcast and I I think that consolidates everything. (laughs) Yeah, that was actually really good. So I feel like I have witnessed you change so much in the short time that I've known you and for you being so young, I feel like you have almost lived like multiple lifetimes already. So from being a sorority girl, a nursing student to now, there have just been so many transitions. And can you just kind of summarize what all the different roles you've pursued and held throughout the years and what you think that kind of evolution has taught you? Oh, what a good question. No, I feel like I've lived like a a new lifetime every single year. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess like starting from just high school, I was really smart in high school. Like I did AP and honors classes, but when it came to sports, I was kind of mediocre. Like I liked team sports, but I played soccer and I didn't make the team. So I ended up joining a gym, which is where I kind of started to grow into myself a little bit more. I was very much so one of those people that was a chameleon and I would make friends with like one or two people and adapt to whoever they were because I didn't know who I was. And then moving forward into college, I decided that because I was good at science and I liked helping people, I knew those things about myself, but that's pretty much all I knew about myself. I would become a nurse. So I went to school for nursing. I you know, joined a sorority because I wanted to make friends, not necessarily because I really felt like I was a sorority girl, but I just wanted to make some new friends. And then you know, I, I did nursing school and I loved it. I did really well in it, but I never really felt passionate about it. I never felt like super excited to do the tasks that are required of a nurse and to help sick people. I always just didn't really feel connected. And I didn't know why, but I didn't really know if there was anything else out there for me because I didn't experience a whole lot of entrepreneurial people surrounding me. I'm from Rhode Island. So not too many entrepreneurs and really opportunistic people living there, I would say maybe I just didn't know where they were and if they existed. But for me, my environment did not provide that for me. So what happened was that the next lifetime that I had moving into like a new chapter was when I moved to California for the first time. And I was a junior in college and a friend of mine who was very spontaneous. And I was like the comfort zone friend that never wanted to do anything except for like my normal routine. (laughs) And she convinced me to move to LA for a summer. And I was like, okay, it's only a summer. It's not like I'm staying there forever. I'll make enough money to live and like, I'll just come back and it'll be fine. But little did I know 
that experience was actually going to change my life forever and ever and ever because I realized what opportunistic lifestyles looked like. Moving to LA, everyone's an opportunist here and they're looking for a new opportunity and trying to go after their dream and what they want. And although I didn't know what that was for myself, I knew that because there were people looking for it, there was something else out there for me too. And it just opened up so many doors and like ideas and just things that I never even knew existed before. So that was a whole new chapter opening there. And then moving forward, I went back to Rhode Island and I was like, I'm not going to do anything I don't want to do. I'm not going to be anyone that I don't want to be. I had a lot of like anxiety surrounding my personal development into learning who I was because I was learning that I was kind of more introverted. I didn't really like to go out and party. And I thought that that was wrong because a lot of my peers, you know, when you're in college, most people like to go out on the weekends. And if you're in a sorority, especially that's like not really okay with most people. They don't really enjoy the fact that you don't want to go out and drink too. So I thought that that part of myself was incorrect. So when I realized that I didn't have to be anyone who I didn't want to be when I was in LA, I was like super convicted in that. I started doing Instagram that year as well. I started doing YouTube. I did more competitions. I started doing fitness coaching all throughout my senior year of nursing school. And then I knew that I was going to move back to California because that's where I wanted to be. And that's where I knew I I could thrive and not just survive, you know? So when I moved back out to California, that's where everything just really took off. I ended up finishing nursing school. I was in the middle of a prep at the very end of when I graduated. And then I moved to California. So I had a lot going on during my move. And I knew that immediately taking my nursing exam wasn't going to be realistic, but I didn't end up taking it until September. Like it took the state actually quite a bit to get me my papers back to say, Hey, Amanda, it's time to take your nursing exam. Now go ahead and be a nurse and go out into the world. So I had to hold off on that a little bit, which was actually a blessing in disguise because I started my YouTube channel that summer. I did my competitions. I met my first couple of friends. Um, I met Emily Hayden, which is our mutual friend. Like she was my only friend out here for quite a while. And I just started experiencing what it was like to be a fitness coach and a YouTuber and an influencer. And things were going so well. Like everything was going in my favor. I got accepted to the bodybuilding.com spokesmodel search. I did a couple of photo shoots. I was getting recognized by companies. I joined P Science, our supplement company that we're both sponsored by. And that's how we actually met, I believe. And everything was going in my favor. And I was like, why would I, you know, not move forward with this? So I took the nursing exam, finally, (laughs) and I didn't end up passing it. And there was a massive pivotal moment there for me, which is a new chapter that I had where I had to decide whether or not I was going to retake that exam or just move forward with everything else that was just accidentally kind of manifesting into my life because I opened myself up to, to growth and to opportunity. And I ended up just going with it. And it's been like, absolutely incredible ever since. I went all in on Instagram and YouTube, grew my audience, did more competitions, experienced all that stuff that I said in the beginning. And now I'm teaching other people how I did what I did. So I feel like you have gone through just so many transitions just since I've known you. And I have totally noticed that when you go all in on something, it moves quickly and you just get shit done, which is so impressive. But changing your goals and your environment and routines and all that can be super overwhelming. So what has been the hardest part of like pivoting and entering new chapters so many times? Yeah, no, I feel like I'm like the pivot queen. (laughs) It's terrifying, you know, like, especially, you know, the first couple of times, it was a lot of just self doubt, like, 
can I really do this? Is this really an option for me? Am I really good enough? Am I interesting enough to be on camera? Are people going to be annoyed by me? It was all these just like thinking externally and just worried about being judged. Like I'm very much so a people pleaser in my natural state. So I was always really worried about like what people were going to think about me, if I was going to make people feel bad, if I was going to make anyone feel negatively because of me, like that was my biggest fear. So essentially, because of all these pivots, what I've had to do is it hasn't been easy. Like it hasn't just been like, let me just do this and this and this and it's fun. and It's fine. Every single time it's been a me overcoming a fear situation. So I'm not sure what it is. Maybe my first fear that I overcame, maybe it was getting into the gym. And then I slowly overcame the fear of, you know, being my own business owner by, you know, halfway having my feet in nursing and then halfway being a fitness coach and kind of doing both of them allowed me to see the bigger vision. So I had to get over that fear and then getting over the fear of putting myself on the internet. And then, you know, essentially just like placing myself into a big pit of fire seeing what happens and then realizing that I'm not going to (laughs) die. Although you would die at a pit of fire. So that maybe that's bad analogy. (laughs) So basically what you've done is start with like small fears. I'm sure they felt big in in the moment, but you started with smaller, more approachable fears and have slowly like stepped your way up to larger and larger, really scary fears and are still just conquering them one by one. Yeah, no, that's a really good way to put it because what I like to, to talk about it in, in this way, like having this conversation is that once you do something and you see that it's going to be okay, it's kind of like seeing is believing, right? Like you experience something, you, you realize that, that it's going to be okay and it's fine and nothing bad happened and you learned something or whatever, you know that, okay, this little thing that I did was okay, so I can do the next thing and then the next thing. And then I just kept doing that. So like, essentially, I'm fearless at this point. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, probably not because there's always going to be the next scary thing. But because I've already experienced a lot of scary things and overcome a lot of hard things, like we always talk about preps and what prepping for competitions has done for us. And we'll talk about that later in the podcast we can. But that was one of the things that it did for me. It allowed me to realize that I can do the hard things. And that was like one of the things that you and I said like two years ago, like we can do the hard things. And it was just like such a good life lesson. Like you can do those hard things and you just have to put yourself into an uncomfortable situation to really learn it. Like you can read it in a book or listen to it in a podcast, but unless you experience it for yourself, you're not going to really know. Yeah. Yeah. Practicing overcoming that fear is not something that you can like learn by watching others. It's something that you have to practice and experience for yourself for sure. So is there anything that you can think of right now that you are still afraid of? I know you said you're practically fearless, but you're not maybe totally fearless. Yeah, I know. There's a lot. I think that one of my bigger fears is probably just like, I don't know, speaking to people that are where I would like to be and being respected, I suppose. Like I'm still young. I'm 24. There's a lot of things that I want to do. Like I want to write a book and I want to do more big events and stuff like that. And I I have a fear of like social situations and like, not that I'm bad in social situations, but a lot of people in one room drain me a lot. So I would love to like, yeah, like I I was going to actually host a three to 500 person event this year. And that was actually one of the things that I think I struggle with is doing too many things at once. And then I get really overwhelmed because I get so excited. And I know a lot of people do this too, but I just get so excited about, all of the things that I could do and that we could do. And I was like, Oh, let's do a big event. Like I would love that. 
And then I took a step back and I was like, okay, number one, I want to like focus and be clear and relax and not feel so like I'm working eight to 12 hours a day. Like that's not a life that I really want to live. So I had to take a step back and say like, okay, what do I have to cut out or what do I have to like minimize? And that was the thing that we didn't really move forward with yet. So that, and then number two, do I really want to host an event? Because I mean, this is like a story that I tell myself, so I could get over this fear, but I have a fear of like the way that the amount of drainage that I feel from being so heavily involved with so many people, especially if it's an event that I'm hosting, like me hosting things is like so scary. Like I don't ever want to take the lead on like creating an experience for people because I just get so overwhelmed by it. I think, you know, my first anxiety attack I ever had, I don't have too many of them anymore because I know how to kind of control it. But the first anxiety attack I ever had was in college and I was organizing like a fun night out, going to a concert with friends. And there was like two or three different groups of people that I knew that were all coming to the same thing, but they didn't know each other. So I had to be like the middle person. And that created a lot of anxiety for me. And I had an anxiety attack because of that. So maybe that fear just comes directly from that. Yeah, I can relate to that so hard. I mean, you and I have worked a bunch of like fitness expos together. And even though you're not the one putting on the expo, like having people come talk to you for hours at a time, like you leave that expo absolutely drained. Like you and I are both outgoing introverts, but you're still introverted and like being kind of the object of people's attention for hours at a time is really humbling and we're grateful for it, but it's a lot. Yeah, no, it can be, it can be terrifying, but like, again, we've experienced it and we know what it feels like and it's obviously not bad. And we, we create a lot of like the quote unquote bad in our heads before we go do the thing. Oh yeah. It's so rewarding. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's super rewarding. It feels really great. And you get to get in touch with the people that have been communicating with you on the internet for so long. And like, there's so many positives to it. So it's just about focusing on the positives more than the negatives. Yeah. And I actually love that you just brought that up because one thing I want to talk about next is like your huge mindset shift. Because when we first became friends, we were both kind of like negative and like defensive people. Like it was kind of us versus the world type of mentality. And we've both worked so, so hard to become more positive and flexible and just courageous with everything life throws at us. So can you tell me a little bit about what that transformation has been like for you? Yeah, no, I love that you just said that. Like I remember even before you and I met, there was one person that told me that I complained too much. And like, you know, when you go on your Facebook page, and it says like, here are your memories. And then you see your questions that you used to write on Facebook. And you're like, Oh, my God. And I would say things like, Oh, I'm so tired or like stuff like that. And then with the social media after that started, I didn't really say that stuff publicly. But like, in our friend group and stuff, we would like complain a lot about like, mean people or like this and that. And then you know, it's, it's been a lot of like shifting that energy to just realizing that the energy you put out into the world is what comes back to you. And I think learning these things, again, it comes from experiencing them. And sometimes you don't know what you don't know. So if you're hearing something on this podcast or one of Marie's podcasts for the first time, and you've never heard it before, like the energy that comes that you give out comes back to you. Maybe that's the first time you heard that. Like, I remember the first time that I heard that. And I was like, Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> and you're like, that makes sense. And then what happens next is that you start to maybe the next day, you're like, I'm going to smile more today, or I'm going to choose to be happy today. And then you experience that day and you go about your day and you're like, huh, the energy that I put out today was happy and I feel happier. 
And then you start Crazy. to experience it more and more. Yeah. And then you're like, what a concept. Like <laughs> this actually works. So I think for me, there was a lot of like consumption of other people's content, like books and podcasts and things like that, that I did over the last couple of years. And I think we all have seasons of this, like a couple of months worth of consumption. And then you go create, you go back and forth, maybe you're doing them simultaneously or whatever. But the more that you can do and the more that you can learn and develop yourself through other people's work, people that you want to be like, like listen to everything they have, like buy their stuff and join their courses and listen to their podcasts and like read everything that they have to say. And then you actually implement it And then you see how it makes you feel. Again, it's like the seeing is believing phenomenon. You're like, whoa, it actually works. So I think I've done a lot of that over the last couple of years where I've just opened myself up to curiosity and realized I don't know everything and it's okay and I can learn from other people and I can open myself up to like being an open-minded person in, in the way that I live life and the way that I experience things. And I'm not defensive, right? Like I think actually YouTube helped with a lot of that because as a YouTuber, you're always going to get some sort of opinions and people saying this and that about you. And with our friend group, a lot of the time, we've been trying to figure out how to navigate that, right? Like you said in the beginning, we're defensive. We want to bring people on our side. We want to like have them understand. And then when you move forward and you continue to do that, you realize, okay, that doesn't really work. The only thing that really does work is just internalizing it, taking it as information, understanding that they're either in a really bad place in their life and what they're saying is incorrect, but it's okay. Or what they're saying may be correct and I have to check myself, right? Like I have to see maybe they're right. Maybe I am coming off as this or that, or maybe I could do this better. And then when you get that feedback, again, it's information. And as humans, we take it personally, which is okay to experience that as well. And then, you know, something else that I'm kind of saying right now, like, it's okay to experience these things. I think I remember the first time someone said, you have permission to feel this way. Like, I remember the first time someone told me that. And it's one of those things that's such a small little thing. But you start to tell yourself that in your head, like, okay, normally, I would say I feel bad about this, or this is making me feel like shit. And then you wouldn't check yourself. But when you have the ability and the tools in your back pocket, like permission, permission is just this thing like, it's okay to feel like this. It's human. It's normal. It's okay. I just have to do X, Y, and Z next. When you have that tool in your back pocket that you can pull out while you're experiencing whatever you are experiencing in life at the moment, maybe it's like, you don't want to go to the gym or you're feeling like sad about a relationship with your mom or like an interaction you had with your boyfriend. When you say in your head and you have the ability to know like, oh, Amanda talked about permission on Marie's podcast. I have permission to feel this way. It's okay. It actually just, it makes the way that you view life like so much more relaxed, almost easier in a way. And then you don't have to fight everything. Yeah, exactly. So that's like the mindset shifts just come from consuming from other people and then internalizing it and then doing it yourself. Yeah. Going back to like the whole defensiveness thing, I feel like a lot of the times that we have felt defensive, especially on YouTube, we both know that YouTube can kind of be the most like critical, I feel like, because you are exposing people to so many different like perspectives of your life. But I feel like the times where I've gotten the most defensive have been the times where I actually needed to hear what they were saying because there was truth to it. And I like internally felt defensive against a truth that I wasn't proud of. Yeah, I know. That's so true. I I totally agree with you on that. And it's 
one of those things that like stabs so much. Like it's, it's like a stabbing pain and you're like, Oh my God, why did they just say that? And it's probably because that's maybe something that you are insecure about, or, you know, in your head that you're terrified of feeling, but it's kind of true. Like one of them for me was that I was coming off as pretentious or a know-it-all or someone that was like talking down to other people. And it took me a little while to not be defensive about that. But I kind of realized like maybe the language that I was using was making someone feel that way. And it's okay, but it's nice to know and hear from someone else and be able to internalize it without taking it personally. Like, okay, maybe that's something I have to shift if someone else is actually feeling that way. Yeah. And sometimes it's not even like that's who you are as a person, but it could be how you're presenting yourself, how people are perceiving you. And that's not always in your control, but there are elements that, of course, you can tweak. And like now, I would definitely not say that you come off as pretentious or a know-it-all or like talking down to people. I'd say that you're very approachable and like down to earth. But, you know, sometimes what people say is true. Sometimes it's not true, but that's how you are presenting yourself to the world. So you just have to be so aware of like how you're being perceived by others and not even in a like people pleasing way, but just an awareness way. Yeah. It's just like self and social awareness are like the two biggest things. Being aware of how you are making yourself feel by what you say and do, and then being aware of how you're making other people feel by what you say and do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So With so many people who are like amazing in your circle now and with the way you are now, that makes total sense. You're a positive person. You're putting great energy out there. You are helpful and optimistic. But with the way you've been in the past, would you say that like your circle and the people that you attracted into your life are different than they are now? And if so, how? Oh my God, so different. And it's not even like the people in my past life, quote unquote, were bad, but you attract certain energy, right? So I remember this one experience I had in college and this girl and I were friends and we were roommates sophomore year. And by senior year, we weren't roommates junior year, but we became roommates again, senior year with three other people. So we were like direct roommates sophomore year. And then senior year, we lived with five of us girls. And senior year was that year I told you about in the beginning where I decided I wasn't going to be anyone who I didn't want to be and not do anything I didn't want to do. And I was competing and I was super happy. But sophomore year, I was anxious and I didn't know who I was and I didn't feel like that happy. So I would communicate with her in this way where we would essentially bond by complaining and misery loves company. So we would bond and like connect with each other through complaining about our lives and how shitty the weather was and like how much we don't feel like doing that. You know what I mean? Like all of that stuff that was like such like vampirous energy. (laughs) God. And my senior year, she and I had like a little argument on one of the nights where I was like trying to go to sleep because I had to get up early to do my workout and then go to work. And she was like super drunk and it was like three in the morning and I was yelling and we had like a heart to heart that night. And she said, I feel like I can't connect with you as much because you're happier. And it was really just that I grew a little bit more quickly and my, my process happened that year and maybe her process is happening now or like maybe it happened after we disconnected and it's okay that people are in our lives for a certain period of time. But the people that I connect with now, I mean, I don't want to say or come off like I only pick and choose people that are in my life, but I kind of do. Like there's only a select few people I have in my life and you can only come into my life now because I only have enough energy. Like we only have enough energy to give 
to, you know, a certain number of people or whatever. And as a social media person, there's constantly people that want to come into your world every day, all day. So the people that are my close friends, like you and the girls and like new friends that I've created this year and like the business world, they're all these people that just have this like positive, infectious, giving, evolved, self-aware energy. And that's the only energy that I have time for anymore. Yeah. The energy that's going to help you propel forward instead of, you know, hold you back, be that like vampire energy that just sucks the life out of you. I love that. Yeah. And it's okay that, that, that maybe you're experiencing this podcast and you're like, I am so evolved now. And you want to, <laughs> you know, go yourself from certain people in your life. It's okay that they haven't gotten there yet. Everyone has their own process at their own time. Of course. Yeah. I mean, still you know, practice grace with other people, even if you feel like they aren't necessarily the best fit for you anymore. That doesn't mean they're a bad person. That doesn't mean that they're not good enough for you. It's just you have different paths and priorities. Yeah. Have you seen that episode of Black Mirror, Marie? Where No, I'm too much of a baby to watch Black Mirror. <laughs> okay. I know it makes me feel kind of weird afterwards and it's not like the best feeling, but this one episode I keep referring back to because I find it so interesting and I actually find some truth in it. There's this one episode where you go on a date with someone and then you open up your app and you see how much time you're supposed to spend with them. So you can spend two hours with them or you can spend five years with them. And it doesn't matter. Like you just end your, it's like you sever ties with them at the end of whatever it's supposed to say. And like people, and I think there's truth to it because I think people can come and go into your life for a season or a lifetime. And pe- some people can stay for a lifetime, but some people can stay for a season and they're there to teach you something and maybe you're there to teach them something. Yeah, absolutely. I'll have to look up that episode because that sounds interesting. I watched the first like two or three and was just so like weirded out and I'm a huge baby. I can't watch anything like scary. So <laughs> I... Yeah, that one episode is scary. So okay. good to know. So now that you have so many amazing people in your circle, do you ever struggle with like comparing yourself to them or feeling like you're not enough? I feel like you have a lot of huge like thought leaders and industry leaders in your circle, whether they're a mentor or a friend. So is that hard sometimes? Yeah, I think I like this question because I think it connects to what I've been going through now. I don't think I compare myself as much as they actually help me realize how much potential I have because the more that I communicate with high level people, the more that I realize that they're just like me and they were just like me a short couple of years ago. So what it actually manifests as into my life is that I realize my potential and I want to move faster than I really should. So I end up burning out more quickly because I know what is possible because of these amazing people. And I feel like I have to be there now, right? Like I have to get there faster. So I start to do more, like I was talking about that summit. I was like, I wanted to do everything this year, but you know, you don't have to do everything super fast. Like you can realize your potential and realize that it's okay to take 10 years to get there. But you know, you know, you're going to get there, like that's life. And it's okay to go slow, or have your process and like, you realize your potential and you see your five to 10 year goals for the first time in your mind, you want to get there fast, but you're actually going to have to take it slow because the personal process you have to go through every time you hit a new level of like life or accomplishment or success or whatever, it's actually going to take a lot of personal growth and like, you're going to have to process certain things that take a little bit of time. And you don't really anticipate that. It's almost like if you're going on this journey, like you're driving across the country, 
you have to process like, okay, I might lose gas in the middle of the road or my tire might break and I have to deal with it and call AAA and it's going to take a little bit of time and maybe the cop is going to pull me over because my registration is expired or something and all these like unanticipated things, but you almost have to like plan in for that, you know, like you have to realize like you don't have to get there in three days. You can get there in like, you know, weeks or years, but it's okay, you know? So for me, it doesn't manifest as comparing. It manifests as I get super burned out because I know what's possible and I want to get there like right now. Yeah, well, I can totally relate to that, but I love that you are seeing that distance between you and these people that are maybe a few steps ahead of you as empowering and inspiring instead of discouraging because I feel like both you and I in the past would have maybe seen that as like, I don't know, like a roadblock. Yeah, totally. Like I'm not good enough or I'm not, you can view it as like, I'm not there yet and I'll never be, or I'm not there yet and I'm excited to be. The difference is just self-belief, which comes from confidence building, you know, like that takes time too. And things take time, like things don't happen overnight. Amen. So with confidence and believing in yourself and having a positive mindset, what are like three actionable steps or go-to things that the listeners can take away from this to foster more of that mindset that you've created? So I think a couple of the things are creating small goals for yourself and then sticking to them, like keeping your promises you make to yourself builds confidence. Kind of like even if it's just in fitness, like I'm going to go to the gym three times this week. Or maybe you're more evolved and you're doing a prep and and you're like, I'm going to hit my macros every single day and finish this prep and lose the body fat and like win the show or whatever, whatever you want it to be. It's going to be keeping the promises that you make to yourself that's going to build more confidence in yourself. And the other thing that really helps me when I'm feeling down and like in my own head is actually to get out of my own head and then start serving more people. So maybe you don't feel like you're serving people right now, but like it can be anything as small as hey, how can I make your day better today? Or maybe you like spend a second to send someone flowers or like you write someone a handwritten letter. And what that does is actually makes you feel like you have a purpose in the world and like you did something that's like fulfilling someone else's life today. And that gives you more confidence because it keeps you out of your own head. And like, it's honestly like when you're in your own head, it's selfish, right? Like you're thinking about how you look to other people and how not good enough you are. But when you just focus on someone else for a second, it takes that off of your mind. And then you get to feel good about what you just did because you did something really nice for someone else. So like those are my probably two main things for confidence building. So well said. I love both of those. And of course, as like social media people, when we say serve others, like our first thought is like, oh, what content can I create to like help other people today? But it really can be as small as like sending your friend a text like, hey, I'm thinking of you, like hope you're having a great day or calling your mom or sending flowers, like you said, it can be small things like that, that when people are reciprocating that positive energy back to you can totally be like a mind shift. Yeah, it's just putting positive energy back out, even if you feel like it's not inside of you, like, like mustering up the courage and the energy to like put out some sort of positivity into the world will make you just internally receive it back. Yeah. And then there's kind of like a snowball effect with that too. It's like addicting. Yeah, no, it is. And then you start to feel good about yourself again. And then you're excited to make the content or go to the gym or whatever you want to do. It's like a snowball effect. Yeah. 
So beyond becoming more positive and self-aware and confident, you've also done a ton of work on adopting an abundance mindset, whether that's money or relationships or environment. And that's just like so clear in everything that you do now. So did you previously struggle with an abundance mindset or does that come more naturally than like a positive mindset, for example? No, it definitely doesn't come naturally. Abundance mindset, if you don't know what that is, it means that there is equally enough for you to feel happy in this world than there is for someone else. Like Marie and I can both have a podcast. We can both have an Instagram. We can both have businesses. We can both have coaching services. We can both have that. Like we can literally have the same exact products, businesses, and audience and we will still get everything that we want. On the flip side, a scarcity mindset is like, there isn't enough room at the top for everyone. Like only one person can have first place. To quote Talladega Nights, if you're not first, you're last. So that's like a scarcity mindset, but an abundance mindset is opposite where everyone can win. The other thing too with scarcity mindset maybe isn't even outward, it's inwards. Like I will only experience this confidence if I am the most shredded and I'll never experience it again. Or I'll never experience getting this amount. Like I had a client today, my Influencer Academy call, and one of her scarcity mindset stories she continuously tells herself is that you're just lucky. You just had a good month. You won't have this month if you like take time off or take a vacation. Like she hasn't taken a vacation in months and she just took her first vacation, not months, years. And she was like worried that she wasn't going to be financially stable if she took a week off and like told her clients hey, I'm going to take a week off. So it could just be a scarcity surrounding that too. And I used to think that too. Like I used to think that people who did the same thing as me are taking from me. And last year and the year before, I had to do a ton of work around that because especially if you're making friends with people in your industry, if you're a business owner or maybe you're doing a competition with different people, you're you're essentially competing with them. But I I don't like the competition mindset. I actually... I'm not a competitive person because when I was in high school and I wasn't really that good at sports, it was ingrained in my mind that I wasn't that good and I was never going to win anyway. So I might as well just not expect to win ever essentially. So the competitive mindset to me isn't really ingrained in me. So for me, my, I guess maybe that does make it come slightly more naturally to me because I never really expected to win or I didn't really push myself to like climb a ladder and beat people because I knew I couldn't because I wasn't good at sports, I guess. So maybe that like naturally is slightly more ingrained in me than normal. But it definitely takes a lot of like courage to stand up and say, I'm still going to do this regardless of the fact that there's hundreds of other people doing it out there. Yeah. I mean, even when I started a podcast and I was like, oh, great. Another fitness turned lifestyle person starting a podcast. How original. And I was like, oh, a petty comment on the internet. How original. (laughs) Yeah, right. A petty comment. But it really is like there's enough room for everyone. There's enough people to serve. There is enough different messages to spread. Like we can all succeed. And so that abundant mindset is what allows you to like move forward with your goals. Because if I'm like, oh, well, Amanda already has a podcast and like she talks to cool guests already, like there's no one left for me to talk to. Like I would never get anything done. Oh my God. And we were talking before this podcast, like you have a couple of guests that I haven't interviewed that I've never even heard of. And like, I'm super excited about it. And like, there's so many people in the world, in in this world, and there's so many opportunity. It's crazy. And I think that the world is shifting pretty quickly in this current moment where the internet is just creating hundreds, thousands, millions of more opportunities every single second. 
And we almost don't realize it because our generation is the first one to really like take advantage. And our world hasn't shifted yet enough to understand like not everybody in our world yet understands that opportunity is everywhere, right? Like half of the world or even more, probably 90% of the world is still just like, you need a degree, you need special abilities, you have to be talented. Wealth is only for actors and singers. And that's just not true anymore. Yeah. So do you come across a lot of those people that are naysayers or just more closed minded? Or do you feel like you don't really come into contact with people like that at this stage in the game? I think that I used to a lot. And I think the reason looking back, I would get a ton of people, especially like on social media and people that would like comment on my YouTube and stuff where it was a lot of like that negative mindset. But once I kind of stepped into just owning everything that I'm doing right now, and owning as in being unapologetic, not shying away from the camera, not asking for validation from my audience, like, hey, do you guys like this? Do you still want me to do this? Because you know, I won't if you don't like it, like all of that stuff. I stopped doing that. And once I started owning everything and just being like, yo, I mean, I'm just going to do this because this is what I want. Kind of like I did that senior year of college. It started to minimize. I haven't gotten too much of it and I'll get it every once in a while, but like, it's just very minimal now. And I think when you own something, it's really powerful. And it's almost like you create a little shield around yourself. Like no one can say anything. You're just owning it. Yeah. I feel like two of your biggest periods of growth have come from you just making that switch of like, okay, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. And like, if you don't support that, that's okay, because it's what I want to do. And that just goes to show how powerful adopting that attitude is. And it's not like a, oh, screw everyone, me versus the world attitude. It's like, I'm going to honor what's in my heart and do what I care about, even if people don't understand it. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. You hit the nail on the head. Preach. Okay. (laughs) Awesome. So beyond that, I do want to like touch a little bit on the fitness stuff just because we do come from the same like fitness competitor, fitspo, if you will, background. And we're both moving past that at this point. So how have your goals and priorities changed from being so focused on your physique, your training, your diet, managing all of that to now where you have the lessons from all of those things and you can apply them to other life stuff. Where are your priorities now and what has that shift been like? Yeah, no, it's been super good. One of the hardest things for me when I was competing was that I never thought that I would have the ability to not track my macros and still look the way that I wanted. Like we all have some sort of, I think it's okay to have a little bit of vanity and like we want to look a certain way. I mean, There's plenty of people that are like, love yourself the way you are, body positivity. Like I get that, trust me. And I think that's super powerful, but I think it's also okay. And like, I give everyone permission and everyone can have permission to still want to look a certain way. Like we all just want to feel good in our bodies and whatever that feels like to you, it's going to come in whatever process that you have. But as someone who built an audience on how I look, that was a little bit, I mean, you too, that was a little bit more of an importance than most people, you know, after fact after you stop being so extreme with it. So for me, I never thought that I would be able to look a certain way, feel really confident and still look like I did fitness without tracking my macros. And like, that was just a massive disconnect for me. And it took a really long time and I had to go really extreme with it in one way where I was really burnt out from competing. And then I gained 25 pounds and felt like the worst I've ever felt. I was sluggish. I was tired. I like did not feel like I looked the way that I wanted to at all to finally experience what it's like to track and look good. So not look good in like the societal way, but just look good for like how I wanted to ideally maintain. 
And I ended up doing a regular kind of casual cut where I did lose about 10 pounds. And then I started being slightly more plant-based, which helped me. It wasn't necessarily just to go vegan. It was more so I wanted to be healthier. So I wanted to eat more greens and vegetables. And I wasn't really doing that with focusing on protein. But I don't know. It was just like a disconnect from like the macros thing. Like I wasn't really focusing on my health. I was focusing on my macros and my protein and stuff like that. So I wasn't always choosing vegetables. So with the plant-based thing, I wanted to just choose health more often. And it actually helped me eat probably around maintenance calories for a little while while eating more vegetables, but also eating more carbs, right? Because you're kind of replacing your carbs with your protein. And I just was okay with also switching my mentality for training. So a lot of the training that I've done with bodybuilding, it just I think it's okay to just pivot what you're doing so you can start feeling good. And just because you're really good at bodybuilding and then you start to feel like, oh, I don't really want to go do shoulder presses right now. It's okay to do something different. Like, so I did powerlifting and I loved it. Now I'm doing a little bit just more hit style stuff. So I'll do an F45 class or it's essentially just like a boot camp cardio hit class. And then I'll do a workout with my trainer, which is kind of the same thing. And then I'll do bodybuilding twice or three times a week or so. And all of that combined actually just helped me. I literally don't think about what I eat. I eat pretty much the same thing every day. It's usually like oatmeal, protein, peanut butter. And then I'll have like a snack of some sort. And then I'll have like a big salad with maybe some rice and some like vegan protein source of some sort. And then I'll probably have something sweet later at night. But I don't feel the need to eat over my allotment, which I don't even have a set allotment. Like I don't feel the need to overeat. I kind of just eat normal and like don't really care. And like if I do overeat, it's probably just some sort of social situation, which doesn't happen super often. And then the other thing is that I don't have this incredible attachment to the way that I train. I will just train to make myself feel good. If I start noticing that a certain body part is lagging, I'll like train it a little bit more. Like because I've been plant-based, not focusing on protein as much and not weight training as much. My butt shrunk a little bit, which makes me kind of sad. So now I'm like, I'm going to do legs once more a week or whatever, but it's not as big of a deal to me anymore. And it, it took me a long time to detach myself from making it a big deal, but also being healthy, fit and feeling good about myself. Those two don't have to be synonymous. It doesn't have to be a really big deal and you don't have to focus on it that much. And you can take a little bit of your focus off of it, but still feel really good. And I think that did come from focusing on it for so long. And I think the extremity of what competing has done and doing powerlifting and competing in competitions, that extremity essentially accelerated my learning process. So I could learn exactly how my body works really quickly. I kind of know what to do in this little, I'm just like relaxed time period of my fitness journey. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. So having lived at the extremes as well. So I also was a competitor, was super rigid with my diet and my training and my cardio and my sleep. Like if things didn't fit into those priorities, then too bad. They just weren't going to be a part of my life. So I've been there. And then I've also been on the other extreme that you've also been on where you're like, I'm so burned out. I cannot even possibly fathom tracking a macro or like sticking to a training program. I'm just going to eat whatever I want and recover and 
you know, you go maybe too far that way and like gain some weight that you didn't really want to gain and all that stuff. And that makes you appreciate living in the gray area, living in the middle where like, yeah, you do care what you look like, but it's not like at the end all be all. And you understand that your worth is so much more than your appearance and you like want to eat healthy and nourish your body. And then you also know portion sizes, but you're not going to freak out if you don't know exactly what's in your meal or like if you didn't get your protein in that day or whatever. But I feel like so many people have experienced the extremes and that's why they know balance. Like how do you even have a metric for balance if you don't experience the extremes? I'm not sure. Yeah. And I feel like if you're listening to this right now and you don't believe us, (laughs) because I remember listening to people like and watching people that were intuitively eating and not really focusing super heavily on every morsel of food they put into their body and every rep and progressive overload and all that stuff that they were doing in the gym. I was like, there's no way that they're like, I didn't get it. It didn't connect with me. So again, we talked about this earlier, but like, you got to experience stuff to really get it. I think that's what this whole podcast comes down to. Like, do stuff, put yourself in uncomfortable situations, maybe attempt the extreme, maybe attempt the macros, maybe attempt the intuitive eating and then failing at it and then seeing what that's like. But give yourself permission to just like experience. Yeah. And you'll probably fail. Like I think both you and I, our first attempt at like intuitive eating after prepping and like being hungry and tracking our macros for so long, I would joke that like my intuition was like a linebacker because I didn't know what like my hunger signals were. I didn't know what foods actually made me feel good because I had been eating based on numbers forever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We had like a very similar experience, but we had to go through that to get to this place of relaxed content, you know? Yeah. So we've kind of touched on this as far as like the lessons that the extremes have taught us, but is there anything that you necessarily would like regret about the way that you've handled your fitness journey or even your entrepreneurial journey or relationships? Or is there anything that if you could change your story, you would change it? I like this question. I think a lot of people say like, I wouldn't change anything because it got me to where I am today. And I get that. But I think something I would do is just focus a little bit more on my relationships, my friendships, and my connection with people, because that's, you know, what life is all about. And sometimes it's easy to get caught up in yourself and your selfishness and your prep and like your business. And it can really be really easy to just get really caught up in you and your own selfishness which is okay. I think too, like, again, I learned from that experience and I'm still learning from it and it can be really easy to get lost in all of it. But life is nothing without really strong connections with really amazing people. So I think if I were to go back, I would call people more and like send more nice cards and stuff like that. And like give myself permission to like carve out space to go care about that and be really focused on that as opposed to getting a little bit lost, you know, but It hasn't been 100% bad. Obviously, I'm like learning from it and still am. But that's something that I would like give everybody who's listening permission to do. Slow down. It's going to be okay. You have your entire lifetime to create what you want. Even though you see your bigger mission and vision, nothing's going to be more important than your relationships. I love that so much. I can totally relate whether it's like pushing away my parents when they were like, hey, I don't know if competing is like a great idea anymore because you seem kind of crazy. Like they didn't say that, but they were trying to, you know, bring to my attention that like maybe it wasn't serving me anymore or like it's 
friends asking you to go out to dinner and you're like, oh, sorry, I can't. I have to hit my macros. And there's a time and a place for those push seasons for sure. But it's just like being aware of how much you're doing that and where that motivation or like reasoning for doing that is coming from. Like, yes, you're going to have to push and there are times where you will have to sacrifice, but it shouldn't be the norm, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. You're super right. Okay. I love this conversation and I don't want it to end, but one final question, because this is the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. What is one major goal that you're currently grinding for? And then what's one thing that you are just massively grateful for? Okay. I'll start with the grateful for. I'm super grateful for friendships in this season of my life. I love you and I love everyone who's listening and I love all the relationships and connections that I currently have, whether it's an internet friend, whether it's a real life friend, whether it's someone that lives states away. I don't know. It makes me so happy to like have really incredible friendships. Like that's just the coolest thing ever. I like know who my bridesmaids are going to be and all that stuff. It's awesome. And then something that I'm grinding towards right now, I'm grinding towards a four hour work week. (laughs) No, but seriously, like I have a big goal in my business is to create so much impact and income that I literally am actually working for like 10 hours a week. You know what I mean? Like the business is like doing so well, it's running. I'm still making an impact on people. Like there's no leaky faucets inside of the business where people don't feel supported because I'm not there or whatever it happens to be. Like that's kind of what I'm working towards. But also I can just get back to like, not that I'm not doing this right now. And I love serving my clients and I still want to serve clients in the future in a big way. But it's more so just like, I have like a vision for my business where it's making such a big impact on its own that I don't have to be as heavily involved in it, I guess. And my job is essentially just to like keep the energy of everyone around me really high and amazing. And like, that's what I would just love to do. So that's what I'm working towards. (laughs) That sounds so good. And I cannot wait to take like five or 10 years, but (laughs) yeah, but I mean, the time's going to pass anyway. So you might as well work toward that. Exactly. Yeah. So that's it. Love it. Okay. Last but not least, where can everyone find you? Definitely go to Bucci Radio. If you're a podcast listener and you need another podcast, that's mine. It's the best. It's like second to Grind and Be Your Podcast. <laughs> and then you can also find me on Instagram. That's my main platform that I stay on the most at Amanda Bucci. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. I'm sure we'll hang up and keep catching up as friends for a while after this. <laughs> we will. Thank you so much for being on the show. and. Everyone, go check Amanda out. She is absolutely amazing. I can tell you firsthand, and you will not be sorry. Mm, I love you. Thank you so much, Marie. I love you guys, too. Bye. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for spending your time with me on the Grind and Be Grateful podcast today. I'm super happy that we are able to hang out and share some good vibes today. It would mean the absolute world to me if you could take one second to share this episode with someone who you think would love it, whether it's texting it to your friend, linking it on Twitter, or posting a screenshot on your Instagram story. It is all super appreciated. And please leave the show review on iTunes if you're enjoying it. Tell me what you think. Let me know what you want to hear more of this show is for you so your feedback matters plus it would really help me out on my mission to educate and empower women everywhere to become their very best selves thank you again for listening and supporting the show and until next time don't forget to grind to be grateful my friends